Hello and welcome to the Dead Funny, Dead Serious podcast. My name is Mitzi and I am a marriage and family therapist and thanatologist. And I am Casey and I am learning with everybody else. <laughs> but I just enjoy the conversations. Also, uh, we're also family. So there's that piece that everyone might not know. But now they do. The secret is out. Oh, man. Oh, man. Great. Now everybody's going to be swarming us. Because they know we're family? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, all the families out there, they all get famous, right? You have yeah. the Duggars, the Kardashians. Like, if you're a family unit, you get famous. Yeah. Family units having podcasts. That is um, a hot. We're probably hot. the first ever. Probably. I'm, I'll go on record right now saying it. We're the first. The first. World record. Um, sure. Yeah. So, what are we talking about today, CJ? <laughs> um, today I would like to discuss death at a distance. So, when I hear that term. I think of, well, one, COVID-19 and everybody basically having to watch people die via Zoom and FaceTime and say their goodbyes via technology. But for me, this hits more home than even like that because before COVID, me being in the military, traveling around all the time, uh, I have said goodbye either via phone call or Zoom or wasn't able to say goodbye to Aunt Franny, Grandma, uh, your mom, uh, my grandpa, my uncle. Like, I can't think of a single person I've actually gotten to be by their side and say goodbye to. So the death at a distance hits me pretty much as hard as you can think. Cause like I, I just, every death I experience in such a way. It is. I mean, I'm with everybody being so transient, right. And in society nowadays it is, there's so many more people that aren't with their loved ones. I have, I have only one, um, really close individual and that was my grandma that I was I was in Seattle when she was in Chicago and that was hard it was really hard I had been able to say goodbye to her in person about two or three months earlier I believe I'd gone out for her birthday and she was just like I'm done <laughs> so I, I knew uh, she was older and it was a piece of that process for both her and me but um, then her death was a little bit more sudden, so I didn't get to say goodbye that day. But I, I want to add, like, the COVID-19 is adding even more to that space because people are dying alone, alone, alone. So all the people that you were talking about did have family members there 
Um, but well, I, I will say your uncle did not. Um, I mean, he died in an airport, so he kind of did. Yeah, he didn't have his family. No one was there directly, unfortunately. Well, he, yeah. he actually um, made a phone call and said goodbye to uh, my grandfather minutes before. Wow. Like, it was like deep down he knew it was happening. Yeah. And his dad had just dropped him off at the airport, I think. And he basically called him up and said his last goodbye. And wow. looking back at it a week before that, he had called me, which I was 17 at the time. And it was really weird because he never, ever called me. And he called me basically saying, oh, sorry, I meant to call your dad which I don't know why you would ever confuse our numbers. <laughs> Hindsight, I realized it was on purpose. Wow. But like, yeah, I was driving to practice and he basically spent 30 minutes just hammering out life lessons. And it was, it was really bizarre because he's never talked to me that way. And I just, I was like, oh, like thought nothing of it until he died a, a week or two later. And I don't even think I registered that portion of it until probably a year later when I really looked back at it, that that's what he was doing was kind of saying his last goodbye to me. Yeah. I think the piece that I, and I actually pulled it up because I didn't want to screw it up. Um, How dare you? I know. I'm such a jerk. Uh, the piece that I really wanted to focus on with all of this death at a distance, there, I, the ability not, like for people to not say goodbye, uh, in a, you know, either up in person or even at a distance right now, because this phenomena is just so, um, it happens all the time that people die alone, right? Sudden death, like your uncle or pretty sudden death and it's all the time. And, but it's a piece that right now we're just seeing at such a level. Um, there's a, a term that Kenneth Doka, Ken Doka, he's a grief therapist. Uh, he's pretty famous. He's kind of a big, big name uh, in my field nowadays. And he coined the term disenfranchised grief. And I could not put a, it's just really prevalent right now. And I think that everyone should kind of understand what that means. It encompasses everything. So if there's a missing person, it's disenfranchised as well. Um, but it, he terms it as grief that persons experience when they incur a loss that is not or cannot be openly, openly acknowledged, socially sanctioned, or publicly mourned. I think where he's going on that, um, I don't know if it records the Seattle Public Schools updates that I'm getting on my screen, but there's that. I'm not uh, seeing it, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, what we're doing here is it's really hard to publicly mourn our people, right? And we're using technology and I've seen some really interesting things um, with the technology in mourning. But do you have any thoughts on disenfranchised grief and what I just said? Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to like have that separation 
Mm-hmm. And to like, I mean, I, I don't know, the disenfranchised like portion of it is kind of throwing my head a little bit on how to wrap my mind around it. It almost makes it a little more complicated, I think. Mm-hmm. But I, with when you talk about the technological things that we're doing, I've heard some really like unique things too. Like, I guess I want to say it was world of Warcraft or something like that. There was a bunch of people that played with this one person online and they basically all, or maybe it was final fantasy. It was like final fantasy online. And they had hundreds of people that knew this person and they all create, like had their characters created and they had like, a hundred or a thousand like different people in like they had their characters dress in black and basically did this like March on the game, like as like a community bonding thing. And I I always thought that was kind of cool. And I think it helps to be there and like have that comfort, like physical comfort. But I also think just knowing that there's people there emotionally to support you, whether it's like in a physical sense or not, still has its value. It still has its meaning. Um, just like when you have like a friend who's struggling and they're across the country and you reach out to them and just say like, Hey man, I was worried about you wanted to say hi. And that changes their mood. It's, I, I still think the open lines of communication are helping regardless of whether you have that physical contact or not. Yeah. Do you think there's anything missing? I mean, what you were just saying, I think is really important, right? Um, but I also, I'm just curious about, it means something when someone like shows up for you when you're either mourning or dying, right? Like goes out of their way physically to get where you are. I think people are still doing that too, to the extent that they're allowed to. Yeah. Like I still think there's the funeral processions where people are just not getting out of their car and going to the grave site. Yeah. They're still making that effort, even if like it's via Zoom or FaceTime or a phone call. You're still showing that you're available and you're there for them and you're still showing up whether that be in a physical sense or not, you're showing up in an emotional sense. You're giving your, your listening powers to that person. And I I don't think you necessarily have to be there on a physical sense to be showing up, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, what's your take on it? It, you know, culturally it's what we've been doing. And so I do here, I've been hearing a lot of people really missing out on that. And the people that I know that work in the funeral industry are getting so much pushback on uh, the only 10 people. In most states, this is what it's been, it seems. Um, And this is all secondhand. I'm just hearing from funeral um, uh, professionals. But uh, there's enough stories that it, it makes me aware that people are really, really suffering out there without the ability to gather in the way that makes sense for their family, for their history. And I know that that's a lot of, it's a lot of grief. It's a lot of, um, 
anger that they can't get what they need at this time. And oh, I heard the best saying um, that somebody pinned their processing on that experience, which is the memorial. And even if somebody you're expecting some people um, to come to the end of their life. So maybe they're older, maybe they're um, actively dying even before this happened and then they passed away. People pin their processing on the fact that there'll be a memorial and it will be a way to contain their mourning experience and to celebrate the life of this person. And then it was taken from them, that ability to do that. And so it's throwing people off and I really want to respect that and honor that piece in a way. Really, that was really poignant. They were describing somebody else that, you know, was having a hard time because they couldn't have a memorial for their person. And I think that's it. That's the disenfranchised part, right? Where it's like, oh, we're going to, this person will pass away and we will celebrate in X, Y, and Z manner because that's what we've spoken about our whole lives. Um, Or even up until three months ago, that was the plan. And now you can't do that. And it's like, well, what do I do now? How do I finish that processing? Really poignant. So I, I think it does matter. I, I do I do agree that I think it does matter for for closure. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, from from my personal experiences, like I often have to ask if certain people are actually dead, like to myself. Like I know they are, mm-hmm. but I've never had a funeral for any of them. Yeah. I never went to a wake for any of them. They were just, hey, you said goodbye to them. And someone said they were gone and I never got like, I saw a casket with writing on it Mm -hmm. from a picture. And that's the luckiest I've got with one with grandma. I drove through the night when I heard she was dead and showed up and there was no service. There was nothing but her, ashes were on top of the cabinet mm-hmm. um with aunt franny i was told she passed away but i was i was in school and i couldn't make it out there yeah. and so i it's all just kind of word of mouth so it's very easy to almost like lose track that they're not actually here anymore so i do get that portion of needing some sort of a traditional like ceremony or some sort of a ceremony to represent that person. I'm, and not this, I I don't want this to be taken as I am saying that people are, I'm trying to be poignant here, but like I'm a brash person, (laughs) but like, just like focusing on the wrong things because they don't know where to place their grief. Mm. Like it's a very hard thing to say goodbye to somebody from a distance. And now you're saying I can't be there for them in the closest sense as 
they depart finally into the earth or be cremated and actually say my farewells in a close setting to somebody. Like you're taking that portion away from them. And I wonder if them being upset about the whole ceremony as like a large gathering is just something that they can attach that anger and that emotion to a scenario that's tangible because it helps wrap their mind around something intangible. Yeah. I think it comes to, you know, just having pure empathy for people that are uh, more attached to those ideas and are unable to pivot in the way that, gosh, we've been asked to pivot so quickly. Um, and understanding that it is so difficult for some people to change their idea of like, this is how I, I process, this is how I planned on processing. And now it's like, nope, you can't do any of that. There is going to be all the feelings, all of them. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's, yeah, we're focusing on the wrong things. I think it's just easier for some people to pivot um, I, from thinking. I, I don't want to say that we're focusing on the wrong things because everybody's grief is different and everybody process it, process it, processes it different words. Um, but I think it's just each person is going to lash out in a different way. And I think we're just seeing a lot of that because it's a lot of people that weren't expecting to be saying goodbye so they have extra anxiety, extra anger, extra grief on top of what normally was going to be placed there. And then you have this change, which I'm sure you can attest to. People in general aren't good with change. They, they struggle with it. I know I do. And that's like, hey, we wanted to go get dinner somewhere like mom on Mother's Day, wanted to pick up dinner from uh, an Italian restaurant or somewhere upscale because it's Mother's Day. And every single place she wanted to go to was closed. And she was angry about it. It was just, and it was something like dumb Mm -hmm. of like where to have dinner. We don't deal well with change. And then you take something as like huge as someone dying and change that thought process there's a lot of extra shit going on with that. Yeah. And I just think that some people are going to take it out on the funeral care workers and please don't because it's not necessarily their fault. Like they're here doing their best with what they're given. And the stories I've seen, like people are doing a phenomenal job. Mm -hmm. And I think it's empathy both ways. Like, because the funeral care workers want to give the best situation to the, to the grieving. Yeah. But it's a very hard situation to deal with as the bereaved. So it's, uh, yeah, like I said, it's a two way street. Empathy needs to go up and down on this one. Yeah. You're angry and, and just maxed out on almost everything right now you know you're grieving and it's a pandemic we're holding both things uh on the both sides yeah and i hope um 
I don't want to give overarching statements. I'm sure, you know, most funeral uh, professionals are doing the absolute best they can. And, you know, some are not because they're also doing this. So I want to say like, there's both. So some people that are grieving, uh, the people that handled the, their care are probably crappy, <laughs> right? Because it's across the board. And I don't even want to give the overarching like, um, most people aren't good with change because some people thrive in change. Um, I love change. So, you know, it's, it's across the board. It's just like so many complicated ways of thinking. And then we're adding grief on top of it. And this just talking about death more, which is a whole different subject, right? We're just talking about death at a distance. Um, so it's everything and death at a distance. <laughs> Ooh, right. So this is something we can talk about even more later because I think it's poignant now because people are forced to do it. Um, I have lost uh, three people um, in this stay, stay at home, stay home, stay healthy uh, order, which is what it's called in our state. And I was not able to be with anybody. I don't know if I would have been the person to be with any of them, but I wasn't able to anyway. Um, I wasn't able to see them or offer a service or fly out to one of them that was states away, but it's somebody that I, I would have been. I would have flown out to a service had they had it. So yeah, it's, it's all complicated and I'm trying to be kind to myself which is what I think I really wanted to bring up too, like, cause it's hard to carry those, those pieces. And like, I want to be kind of myself when I am angry about it, <laughs> when I'm kind of myself about it, then I feel guilty that I was kind of myself about it. Like you should be angry that this is happening. But then I'm also like, okay. And I want to do the same for everybody else and just offer that up. Um, so when you say you're being, like you need to be kind to yourself and you need to allow yourself to be kind to yourself. Um, what does that mean? And how, how have you been like dealing with that and like processing this? Cause you're the only person I know that's actually dealt with a loss from COVID. Yeah. Um, by being kind to myself, I mean, it's that I allow my feelings and my emotions and my thoughts and when they come up and they're going to, um, I try not to judge myself for having one thought or another. Um, like, oh, that's the right, like, yeah, you should be more angry because it is, it's just this natural noticing of, of what it is. Or if I'm super frustrated with something at a moment, well, yeah, it's a freaking pandemic and you've lost people versus being like, why, isn't I, why am I not doing better? I, I had this little moment and I'll be super frank right now. Like right in the beginning of this, I was working um, under a contract with the state and, and being in, kind of invested and involved in this. And then I had lost people. Everything was overwhelming. I quit my contract. I um, really was just <laughs> wanting to play like a stupid video game. 
And it was hilarious because I was like, my daughter's like, what are you doing? And I've never known you to play a video game at all, let alone a stupid one. So I'm with your daughter on this one. Yeah. And it was just like this hot moment of being like, I just want to do this for the next two hours. And I was like shaming myself. And my daughter was like, what are you doing? And she wasn't even shaming me because it was just confusing. She was like, who are you? What is happening? I've tried to get you play video games for years and I can't even get you to try. You're like, no, that's dumb. (laughs) No, it was a really stupid video game. Like it was a stupid, like, you know, find things video game or like clues or something. I don't even know. that The one that uh, mom always plays? Something like that. I don't know what it is. It, It was a different one because I just like started playing it and it was what I needed. And I was, I was being kind by to myself by being like, I don't have the ability to focus on everything, right? I have to be very present for my child. I have to be very present for my clients. Uh, and I want to be, um, and so this is just these little moments of like playing these, this game for two hours where I was like, I can either do this or I can like over, overthink everything that's happening. And so we all have them, um, different tools on what we're doing. I, I got through that phase and now I'm, I don't even have that game on anything anymore. It was about two to three weeks, right? When everything was really happening. And it, we all have it. And I was just trying to be kind to myself and it's a funny way to be kind to yourself, but, um, I stopped eating sugar. So, you know, I couldn't just eat cakes. I don't know. I could have just eaten cake too. I mean, video games for me, like I, I have been an avid video game player pretty much my whole life. It comes with not having many friends and (laughs) being and living your life in a gym. So I played video games and really what it was, was it's a way for me to turn my brain off. Yeah. Cause like it's, like I'm not really paying that close attention to the story. I am pretty naturally good at them so I can play and not struggle too bad. Mm -hmm. And my brain shuts off from everything else. It's almost meditative. So I think that's probably what was going on with you is your brain was able to just turn off and focus on a singular task and just shut all the other noise off. Yeah. And it was great. And I needed it at the time. And so that's what I would say. Like I was dealing with, with two deaths at a distance. And I mean, just the thought of it, you know, that I, those people died, you know, probably alone is just so heavy. And so I was playing video games for a hot minute. And I guess that's what I'm saying is just be kind to yourself, be kind to the people around you um, because we don't know who they, who, who they have lost. Right. Um, they could have lost um, friends from high school or they could just be finding out about it today. Somebody that they lost two months ago and it doesn't have to be their, you know, family or anyone close, but it, there's these pieces that really, you know, it's more complicated. It's more multi-leveled. It's layered. Um, and so yeah, be nice to each other. Don't be a jerk. 
I think that's an overarching theme of like just you and I in general in life in general is like you people remember the assholes just as much as they remember the good people. <laughs> so you might as well just be a good person. Yeah. Like there's no reason to be an asshole to people. Well, if they're an asshole, but I mean that's understandable, I guess. Don't be but an asshole. Also, but at the same time, you don't know what they're dealing with. Empathy goes a long way because maybe they're being an asshole because they just lost somebody. Mm-hmm. You just don't know. You don't know. Well, All right. I think uh, that is a lot to process and a lot to take on and a wonderful place to uh, kind of take a, take a break from the podcast and drink some tea and ponder for a little bit. <laughs> go play a game and turn your brain off. Maybe I don't know. Whatever works for you. Don't have any games on there anymore. But yeah, if that works for you, do it. Thanks for listening or watching on YouTube, and um, like us on Facebook, Instagram. DM us, message us if you have questions, comments. Uh, like us, review us, and all of that. Yeah, on Instagram at uh, Dead Funny Dead Serious. And Mitzi, you are Earlville and Company. But also Dead Funny Dead Serious on Facebook. And, you know, you can find us. And don't forget to like and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you're listening to us. And that way you can get notified whenever we post new stuff. All right, bye.